Welcome back to another episode of Coats in Conversation. I'm your host, Kendra Coates. Before we get started in today's episode, be sure to go out and like and subscribe to Coats in Conversation on YouTube. You can also follow Coats in Conversation on Instagram. If you are listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to the podcast at, be sure to share it with somebody who may benefit from these podcast episodes. And be sure to you know, give that five-star review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know if there are any topics that you would like us to dive deeper into. Got my longtime friend Lawrence Harden today, and we get into a great conversation about his journey of coaching athletes nowadays. Lawrence is a former collegiate track and field athlete. He is now a high school track and field coach, and he is currently opening up his new sports performance business. So we get into the nitty-gritty of coaching athletes nowadays, dealing with parents and athlete mental health. And then towards the end of the episode, we get into his journey opening up his new sports performance business. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you like this conversation, be sure to share it with somebody who may benefit from this conversation. Perfect. Lawrence Harden, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. Appreciate you. Man, it's it, the the storm. So before we actually started recording this episode, y'all, my power went out. There's a storm going through uh, my area. And it literally, I mean, I'm in tropical, I'm in the tropical area of the United States. So it's literally raining or storming every single day. So Lawrence, I appreciate you being patient with that small little delay. Um, sometimes when I have guests on, one of the first things I like to do is I like to do a mental health check-in. So where are you at physically, mentally, and spiritually today? Uh, I honestly, man, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm pretty level-headed on every, every front, no matter what's going on in my life. I've never really been that person that has like my emotions go up and down, except for in sports. You know what I mean? Is when I'm, when I'm competing, that's when you see my emotions fluctuate, uh, whether or not, you know what I mean? I'm, if I'm doing, I, I don't go down. I, if I'm going up, I'm going up. Be careful. I'm coming at you. But if I'm, if, if but most of the time, man, I'm pretty even kill. My, my mental stability is pretty solid. I've, I've done enough enough reading and research on it. Not not to mention my just my just level headedness just genetically, uh, or what I would say inherently uh, from that I get from my parents or from my father and from my grandfathers and so on and so forth. Uh, but I'm pretty level headed all the time, and I and I I enjoy that part because it makes life a lot easier. <laughs> That's definitely you know with all of the different things going on in today's world and all of these distractions just being able to like you said keep that level head and and just not get too high or too low on emotional on emotions is so um is so important in today's society yeah. because there's things all around us that could easily trigger it us it helps a lot yeah so when we when I initially uh, reached out to you about um, doing a podcast, we literally we probably could have recorded the first 
conversation that we had a few weeks ago because I mean that was I think we talked for like an hour and a half and I'm like dang we we should have recorded that one but I wanted to bring you on because of you know one your background as being a former athlete and now in the coaching space and I was kind of telling you a little bit about um, what I'm doing as far as having these conversations regarding mental health with athletes coaches and other individuals within their given field so to kick things off today, I know you've been in the high school coaching game for a while now, and we all know that mental health is a big deal, especially for young athletes. How do you approach fostering a positive mental attitude in your athletes, and what strategies have you found most effective in helping them deal with pressure of performance? Uh, you know, I think the what 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 resonates with my athletes mostly is that uh, the way that my attitude all comes off to them or how I'm treating them or what I'm doing when it comes to, to them, what they see me doing. Uh, and I have this, like, I have this like philosophy and, and I've heard this story from, I uh, mean, I cannot remember exactly where I heard this story from. Uh, but it's the story. Have you ever heard of the story of the, uh, of the old man and of the, of the farmer and his son? No, I haven't. Okay. So, there's a story about a farmer and his son, and, and I'll try to make this as brief as I possibly can, but there's a story about a farmer and his son or, or, or a herder of, of, and his son, and it goes a little bit something like that. I might botch it up a little bit, but it goes a little bit of something like this. So the farmer, they have a farm. They live in a small little village. He has a son. His son helps him, helps him uh, break uh, 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 horses, and one time, one day, one of his horses took off running, ran away. Son comes crying to his dad and says, hey, dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I lost the horse, the horse got out of the, the pen and he ran away, he's gone, he's gone, this is horrible, it's horrible, and, uh, and the farmer says, maybe, uh, son goes, maybe, what do you mean, like, okay, all right, maybe, all right, cool, uh, next thing you know, the horse comes back with, uh, I think it's, the story goes along, but the horse comes back with five to seven more horses, so now they, they lost one, but now they got back five to seven more horses now kid comes back to his dad hey dad dad guess what the horses just came back and it came back with more it came back with more horses we got so many horses now and the and the, and the father does it again he says maybe you know he's like this is so, this is so great it's so awesome maybe uh and then uh, things go on into the story comes a story goes on to say that at some point the kid breaks his arm because he was trying to break the horse in uh father again says maybe the 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 after that, the army are recruiting young kids of fighting age. They come in and ask for his son to go off to war to, to, uh, to recruit him for war. His son's got a broken arm, so obviously he can't go. So the villagers say, that's so awesome. That's so great. Again, he's just saying maybe the entire time. And the moral of the story goes to is that no matter what situation you're dealing with or going through, you never know what the outcome might be. So instead of being so up and down with your emotions, it's better to just stay level-headed and make decisions based off of the situation that you have at hand or make do with what you have right in front of you. Uh, and so I truly go into my training and my coaching like that. So when I do have situations where I know that the athletes are watching me and they're in there and they're, or they want some sort of guidance, they're going through some things. For the most part, I always let them know, like, hey, look, that's just a today problem. You're an athlete. 
you have so many things going ahead of you in the future that you have no clue what's going to what's going to happen for you or what it's going to do for you just focus on making great decisions today and right now and so that's basically the uh, the approach that i have to to be able to give them a positive mindset most of the time is just simply enough don't dwell on things because you never really know what the outcome might be uh, and if you have this this woe is me mindset you'll reserve yourself and you won't allow yourself to open up and be the the light that you can possibly be and so that's pretty much where I come with when I cut where I come at with my positive uh, uh, motivation for my athletes is just continuously do the things that you need to do right now today uh, and and it will turn into something great for you in the end I like that approach because there's also an element of kind of the athlete having his or her own autonomy and yeah. thinking and you know I, I always think about it from the standpoint and I think you mentioned it as far as coaches are a model for the athletes and so as a coach if emotions are high all the time then you know that can sometimes create some type of anxiety around an athlete and then if emotions are too low the athletes like well, coach, do, do you care about me? Are you excited Absolutely. about what I'm doing? Right, yeah. right. And so from from your experiences, have you have you seen athletes that have had a tendency to be a little bit more on the anxious side? And if so, are there things that you do to kind of bring that athlete back down to kind of more balanced emotions? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it, it goes to it goes to what they experience when they're when they're when they're either at home or or in the environment that they're mostly uh, usually around. Uh, if they seem to be a lot more antsy and anxious, it's most likely because they either have some sort of something to prove, or they don't trust the process of whatever they're doing doing or going through. Uh, and so, a lot of the times, they're they're anxious because they want to do great things. And so when it comes down to that person that's anxious, that wants to do great things, I'm always telling that person, like, hey, look, first of all, you're always great. Put that in your mind. You are always great. You are always enough. You are always going to do what you can possibly do. If you're giving, if this mindset means that you care and you're going to give your, your, your best effort. So allow that to happen. But the second thing is that is when they're in that mindset, you have to almost like narrow their 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 aim to to be more so targeted on what they're doing at that moment because that 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 emotion is a is an outward emotion it's a buckshot emotion it goes it can it can go anywhere if they're having a bad day it's going to go down that path if they're having a great day it's going to go down that path and the more and more and more i instill in them that you are great already just do this right here as great as you can do a lot of the times it fixes themselves and then when I don't have a when I have an athlete that doesn't really get that concept or doesn't necessarily buy into that thought process it takes a little bit more time but I I also have the patience to allow that time frame to happen and if it doesn't happen with me my only hope is that I just pray for that athlete to be able to experience other coaches or other people in their lives that will also direct them into that mindset of, hey, you're great already. Just keep doing great things right now. And don't worry about, again, don't worry about the things that might happen or might not happen. 
can't really worry about those things. Kind of like manifesting or cultivating a space where the athlete has that space to fail. And I think in in a previous uh, episode that I had maybe a few months ago with another coach um, who's in your area, um, he was kind of saying, it's okay to fail. And I think sometimes with athletes, even, you know, my previous experience with coaching athletes, when you, at least my experience is when you allow an athlete to fail and not get too emotional about his or her failure, the athlete's like, wait, so you're, you're not mad at me, coach. I'm like, no, like, and you know, it would be in track and field at the beginning of the year, athletes always come in February, March, and they're wanting to run peak times. I'm like, yo, this, this is not going to work. This is, we are trying to build you up to, you know, April and May. And then once they sense that they're like, oh, okay. And kind of like what you said, trusting that process and allowing them to fail, you know, go back to practice, figure out what it is that, you know, they need to do, which that brings me to my, my next question. Cause it is one of those things to where coaching nowadays, it, it looks a little bit different than it did when you and I were, you know, coming yeah. up and, and playing sports <laughs> to where it's like, what, what are water breaks? We, we didn't have water breaks, you know, we, we <laughs> and, and so, you know, being in a different um, day and age with athletes and sports and sports performance, how do you balance pushing athletes to their limits while also helping them develop as individuals? And the reason I ask that as well is because it's so easy to, you know, be too hard on an athlete as, as an athlete and them not come back. And so I'm curious to know, like, how do you balance that while also helping them develop as individuals? Man, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that one is, is, is tough. When you, Cause that one goes back generations when you have coaches who, when, when, when we were raised, when we were growing up, we had coaches who had gone to, had been into the military and there's obviously coaches who have been in the military now, but you, a lot more militant coaches were around. Uh, and that was the era of no pain, no gain. That was the era of suck it up, rub some dirt in it, just get back out there. And you didn't have, other outlets to be able to do your sports there wasn't all the always the aaus there wasn't always the other clubs going on and so you that if you wanted to play that sport that was who you had to deal with and now it's a lot different now these kids have way way more options uh and that's a great thing i think i think it's an awesome thing because it makes coaches better now now I have to be better as a coach now I have to understand now I have to actually work with this kid instead of just saying get up wipe it off get back in there now I have to go hey you're all right hey I need you here though are you mentally okay let's get let's get back into it and so a a lot of the times is I'm checking in with them for the most part uh uh but I do have a philosophy uh when it when it comes down to 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 working with athletes who are struggling or whatnot and 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 that is checking in with them constantly and making sure that when I'm checking into with them that I'm also listening to them and and, and most of the time realistically most of there's a pl- there's a place there's a there's a time and a place for the hard coach if you're an athlete and it's 
at the end of the season and they're just a little bit unsure about themselves because they finally see the competition that they have to run up against or go against. At that point, it's like, look, no, dude, you are who you are. We've built you to this moment. You are who you are. You are king in this room right now. This is where you're standing at. This is where I expect you to be at at the end of the day. And I want you to go out there and give everything. There's the time for that for that coach to come out. And then there's also time like practices when they're like, when they're like, man, coach, my shin splints are killing me today. There's times for that coach to come out and be like, are you all right? You think you'd be able to do this or, or no? I don't need you to hurt yourself today. I don't need you to push that hard today. I need you to push hard, but I need you to push hard in a way that you can push hard. So if that means getting on the bike and pushing hard on the bike, that's what we're going to do today. But I don't need you to get work. I don't need you to run on the track and push as hard as you can on the track. It's not going to help us in the long run. I'm, I'm future focused. I'm focused on conference. I'm focused on sectionals and I'm focused on state. I don't care about this practice today. We'll come back at it. You will be still, you still will be fast tomorrow. And so I think the philosophy behind it has to be that there's always a future for you. You can't always be who you want to be today. Give me who you are today. And that's mostly what I'm trying to like, what, what I'm trying to like get my athletes to understand as, as, as far as my philosophy goes with when it comes down to their, to their growth and their personal growth and, and, and how, how, what, the, what I expect from them is give me what you got today and tomorrow is the future is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I'm looking for you to stay healthy today. That's what I need. And I, I could imagine where, you know, as an athlete in today's world where, you know, there's social media and you see, you know, athlete ABC and it almost appears that they've just skipped this whole process and they're just Usain Bolt. It's like, whoa, no, 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 no. Usain was, he had years of, of work that he had to put in. How do you see it play out with parents? Because I know parents are always, well, why isn't little Johnny running 0.25 seconds faster? It's like, so, so what are, what have your experiences been working with parents who may have this uh, anxiety about little Johnny or little Susie's performance and what kind of messages are you, or information are you giving the, the parents? Uh, so I, 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 I just, I just had a parent that came to me this last season uh, uh, when I was coaching track and field. And, uh, and this is, I think this is his kid's first, maybe second track meet he had ever gone to. He was a freshman with me. Uh, I had seen him run in middle school I knew who he was. I, 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 oh, I knew his name. I didn't know who he was. I knew his name. Uh, and so, and, and, and granted, just to, for clarification, when the season starts, I've got about like 58 kids. We've got about two or three weeks prior to our first meet before we, you know what I mean? Before the first meet, I get about two or three weeks with them. Uh, most of the time I'm, I'm basically waiting for kids to drop off because some kids just won't make it. They they're, they're there for different reasons. They don't think that they'll, they'll see the competition and some of them won't, won't want to compete anymore. Uh, so when it comes down to freshmen, I'm learning their names last. Uh, 
so having 58 kids, 50, 60 kids in the, into the program, you don't know everybody's name. You don't know everybody's capabilities. So as, at some point, I'm just looking down the list of names and saying, okay, you said you wanted to be a sprinter. I'm going to put you in this event. You say you want to be a thrower. I'm going to put you in this event. And I'm just going down the list. So I'm at this meet with this, with this, uh, with these kids. And uh, this is, I think this is his first or second meet uh that he had ever been in i think it was his first meet that he was actually running the 100 in obviously the parents know who their kid is so the parents came and they said hey uh why isn't my son running why didn't my son run in the last meet and i was like well at the at, truthfully be told the last meet was a varsity meet the second meet that we had was a freshman meet and so i was like well that was a varsity meet first and foremost and secondly uh i don't i don't i don't know you i don't know your son yet uh it's week three or something like that i don't know him yet and so she's explaining to me who her son is and how fast he is and I'm, that's all fine and dandy that's great but until i see the numbers i can't really go off of every kid out there thinks that they're fast every parent on the in the stands thinks that their kid is fast I would love to see your kid be the best athlete in the in the program. That would be awesome. As a freshman, great. But I'll ultimately, I have to wait and see. And so this is my chance to wait and see. So what I'm doing right now, his son, her son was about to run at the moment. And so so what I'm doing right now is I'm sitting down here, my top stopwatch. They've got the FAT timing system. We're going to watch and see what happens. Sure enough, her kid wins. Uh, he's he's fast. He is the fastest. He is the fastest freshman on freshman on the team that uh, that last year, uh, and he's potentially going to be the fastest varsity athlete on the team after this season is over with. And so, yeah, you're right. But what I what I what I'm what mostly what happens is that when I'm talking to parents about their kids and how athletically gifted their kids are, I'm from Show Me. This is track and field. <laughs> this isn't a game of chance. This isn't betting. You can't fool the numbers. I can't, I can't, even my thumb is not better than that timing system over there. As much as I can, I can press this thing as, as, as fast as the next guy, but I'm still not as good as that timing system. So what I mostly tell parents is that if your son or your daughter is who they, who you say that they are, keep treating them that way. Because when it comes down to it, that's going to be the kid that stays in the program and stays focused and dialed into the program. It's the kids whose parents who don't focus, who don't think that their kid is who they are or don't give them that positive influence and say, hey, no, you are who you are. Keep running fast. Keep doing this. Show the coach who you are. It's those parents who don't do that, that the kids end up not following all the way through or they do all the talking, but never show me anything. And so when it comes down to the parents like that, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because I know now that I can literally tell your son to go to go do any workout and he's going to want to do it because he has the because I have the backing of his parents. And so whether or not the parent likes me or not, and I've had parents who don't like me uh, just because of my coaching style. Hey, if your son's not showing up to practice, I'm not putting him in the meat. I'm not going to I'm not going to subject him to getting injured nor am I going to subject some other kid or take away some other kid's opportunity because your son's not showing up or because your daughter's not showing up. They show up, they compete, they're going to be in the meet. If they don't show up, they don't compete, then 
their chances of running are going to be a little bit more slimmer. I'm trying to get everybody in as much as I can, but yeah, that's where it comes down to. So yeah, so that's how I deal with the parents. The accountability piece of that, you start seeing the extension of the athlete's family, and at least in my experiences, to where you hold somebody accountable, and then the parents are calling like, hey, why isn't he there? Well, okay, I'm looking at my schedule. He missed this, this, or she missed this, this, this. So I'm just supposed to automatically put your son or daughter in an event because they miss that, that that doesn't work in the real world you start missing work and you get fired <laughs> right but, but the other thing you said you're you're from the uh, you're in the camp of the show me camp yep. and that is one reason why I appreciate track and field so much because yeah. in football basketball volleyball those sports you can kind of put athletes in there and you can blend them into your system and it's like There's okay a step for from, everybody in that Exactly. And and they pass the eye test a lot easier in track and field. If you run a 21 second, 200 FAT, so automatic, yep. it's a, it's a legitimate 21 seconds. You can't lie about the times in track and field. And so that's the other beautiful thing about track and field, which I am a fan of all athletes should be involved in it if they can, because one, you're working on speed development, but also you can't, you can't lie about the time. Yeah. You, you can't, can't lie about the stuff into a win. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't. You really can't. But, you know, and the other piece that you added in there is you also have a team. So if you are allowing one specific Johnny or Susie to miss practice or not doing what they're supposed to be doing and then just put them in a meet or put them um, in an event, it's like, what? how is that going to affect the overall morale of the team? It's like, wait, hold on. This person gets this, this, and this opportunity and they don't show up for practice. Oh, well, I'm a slack off too. And so yeah. that's where it's so important as a coach. And this kind of goes into your holistic view and holistic approach to coaching is it starts with the coach and the coach creates the culture. And if the coach doesn't create the culture, then culture creates uh, itself and then it's chaos. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that I'll add in that as well is just from the standpoint of if a parent is not giving their son or daughter the validation that uh, they deserve or they need. And we talk about it in um, our, the mental health space that I'm in of marriage and family therapy. If you are not nurturing a child, that mm. child is significantly uh, impacted by that. And so, you know, as a coach, being in your space, not being able or, or not being the coach that is like, hey, you know, keep on going. Give me all you got today. I just need you today. Mm -hmm. That goes so far. So with your holistic approach with, you know, how you talk to athletes, how you coach athletes, and it is different as far as, you know, you got old school coaching, you got more new school coaching. So have you seen coaches around you uh, alter how they've uh, yeah. addressed you or interacted with you because their your coaching style is not the norm is, is at least having a more holistic and more athlete centric environment versus some coaches have my way or the highway type of the coaches that have been inside of my program or at least in the programs that I've been a part of uh we the programs that I've been a part of we focused on psychology 
We focus on understanding us, understanding the environment around us, understanding the 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 strength training room, understanding the track, understanding the, the athlete. We have to understand all of those different variables. The at the coaches that I noticed that have not gone through the through the through, through those psychology of the psychology of understanding not only themselves but the athlete as well. Uh, and I've got stories for days on this. At coaches who have who have expressed dislike or expressed that athlete wasn't working as hard. Uh, one situation happened to where. Uh, a coach came up to me and he said, this particular athlete was a horrible athlete. They didn't work hard. They didn't have the work ethic that they were, that they thought that 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 coach thought that they were supposed to have. Uh, They were that, you know what I mean? All kinds of things. And when I finally, I didn't, I didn't work with that athlete yet. When I, over time, I was going around checking on different coaches in the area and what they were doing. I was just kind of like doing some research uh, in the, in the area of track. Well, I found this athlete at one of the other coaches camps. I said, Hey, how how often does this kid come? Hey, he comes every single day. He's the captain of the team. He's the captain of the team. Huh? Okay. All right. Come to find out. Same same thing when he was when he was what was my athlete at this now, same thing. He was the captain of the team. He didn't talk much. He didn't lead through his voice. He didn't lead by saying, "Hey, come on, guys, let's do this." He led by doing it. He led by going out and doing it. Thing was, he didn't like the other sport. He wasn't a fan of the other sport. He did it because he was being told to do it, and so now. You have coaches who don't see those things. They don't, they, what I will say is you open your mouth before you have all the information. Don't, don't go opening your mouth until you know this athlete. I'm not going to go try to help an athlete or, or, or tell an athlete what, the, what they should or shouldn't be doing until they've sat down in a couple of sessions with me and worked with me a little bit. And I know them now. When I know them, when I've asked my questions and I figure out who that athlete is, now I have a way better understanding of where they're coming from. Now I have a way better understanding. Like, oh, okay, yeah, great. You don't like that sport. Awesome. Great. What sport do you like? You do this sport. That's the sport. That, so you're doing this to get better for that or to get ready for that. Got it. So you don't want to go all out on this sport because you don't want to get hurt in this sport. Got it. Okay. I see where you're coming from cool i know now that when you're playing this sport though is it okay that you understand that when you're playing this sport that i i don't rely on you as much as i want to i want you to be able to i want to be able to rely on you but i can't now knowing that you're not into this sport as much but when it comes down to this sport just know i'm looking for you to show out i'm looking for you to be that guy that you say that you are and so coaches who i who i don't who i notice who are who have not gone through those i would say uh who have not gone through those through those educational or knowledge uh or educational pieces of their profession tend to tend to lose track of that they tend to think that my way is supposed to be what you want i what i want should be what you want and that's just not the case it's just not realistic it's just not the reality the kid's not into it you got to figure out what the kid is into. When you figure out what the kid is into, you lean into that. 
That's what's going to make them enjoy what you're doing a lot more is because they know that you have, for instance, right now, uh, when it comes down to my distance guys, realistically, they don't like the distance. I don't, my distance team right now doesn't really like distance that much. They're more so interested in other sports. So when I'm talking to them about, about track, I'm saying, hey, you know, this will be great for you, but this is going to help you in this sport way more. Soccer, when soccer comes around, you're going to be able to run laps around those kids. You just keep doing this very, very well. Laps around those kids when it comes down to the soccer season. That's how you approach it. That's how you get that kid to be able to be on your side, but not only on your side, but to be ready when it comes down to the sport that they want to play. I like what you say that as far as just having that conversation and knowing and understanding why the athlete is actually there and then being able to kind of adapt your coaching style and your plans around that athlete, knowing that track and field or cross country isn't his or her primary sport. Mm -hmm. I think that there's so much beauty in that because there are so many coaches that get all of these athletes onto their team and are frustrated because this athlete's not doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, coach, this is just something that they're doing in the meantime before soccer comes around or football comes around. And that that doesn't mean that an athlete can show up and just go through the motions because, again, going back to our example earlier, you know, you show up to a job and or you don't show up to a job, you get fired. You know, mm -hmm. if you show up to practice and you don't work, Hey, sorry, son, but I, I, you, you can't, I mean, you, you can't be I mean, on the team. <laughs> <laughs> it's plain and simple, cut and dry. But I like the fact that you have this approach that is athlete centric. And I resonate with that because even in my past, when I was coaching athletes, that is literally what I did. I had girls come up to practice and they're like, coach, we don't like this workout. We don't want to do this. And I was like, well, why not? They're like, because X, Y, and Z. In my head, I'm like, okay, I need to adjust to them rather mm -hmm. than forcing them to do this thing because if I lose them today, I lose them for the rest of the season. Yeah. And a lot of coaches don't understand that. And so before I ask the next question, there's another resource, you know, for coaches that are listening or haven't, you know, some coaches are like, well, what, what do we do? How do we learn this information? One of the books, and I think you and I think we've talked about it in the past. Um, Brett Bartholomew's Conscious yep. Coaching. I was going to say, I was just about to go grab it. <laughs> yeah, that, that book is fire. And, and, and you know what's crazy is it just it doesn't even just apply to sports. It applies to life. If you are a leader of something, every leader should read this book, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. I'm telling you, it was it gives you so many different scenarios or personality types or archetypes in that book. Um, I, was, I was literally about to walk over there and go grab the book right now. It's sitting right here and looking at me. Uh, that book, man, I tell you what, and and even even deeper, I've read past that book. The research that that book is designed from, I've read past that, and, and it's and it's not so. It's, so if you're that person that's like archetypes, I'm not going to call these athletes different names and archetypes. It go past that. Understand where each athlete is coming from. And you have to do the research prior to the session. You have to do the research prior to the, the seasoning opening, because until you know the athlete, you don't know what they're into and you can't, because if you address it, if you take that same workout 
with those two different athletes, a track and field athlete, and let's say for for the sake of the argument, basketball athlete. You take the same workout though, and you just say, hey, look, 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 look. I know track and field is not your sport, but when you're playing basketball and it's defensive time and you're the ball's going down, back and down the court and nobody's called a timeout, there is no break in between. By the time that ball's made three or four trips down the court, guess who's the only person that's going to be running up and down the court? You. Keep that same energy as if you're on the basketball court. I get it. You don't like running 800s. Cool. Imagine that that basketball's running up and down the court three trips in a row. That's about as distance as a, that's about as long as the distance as an 800 if you're nonstop moving, going from offense to, to defense, to offense, to defense, to offense, to defense. You don't think after that two minutes of back and forth, that's a two minute, that's a two minute, 800 meter dash, 800 meter run. Take that same energy and put it onto the track and just imagine you have a basketball in your hand. I don't care you run it fast or slow. Imagine you have a basketball in your hand and just get better at doing it. That's all I'm asking. Just get better at doing it. If you meet them, immediately meet them with that conversation prior to them even starting the workout, you'll get a better outcome out of that athlete right away rather than waiting for them to bring that argument to you. And then you're trying to justify it off the fly. It looks a lot more cleaner when you justify it right out right away. Facts, hundred percent. Justify it at the beginning, and it's. Mm-hmm. And would you say, um, in your experiences, you know, is there a difference between, um, as as far as like clarity and and how you're giving the messages to each individual athlete? Oh yeah, uh, and and I and and I I subscribe to this theory when I'm strength training is is that. Uh, before this session, I give you everything that we're going to do. I want you to know the expectations that I have for each individual, not just my, not just my expectations for everybody, for each individual. Hey, I know you're dealing with this knee injury right now. All I expect you to be able to do is give me whatever your knee can give me today. I know that you're, you got a game coming up tomorrow or tournament coming up this weekend. Your shoulder is going to be used a lot when you're, when you're, when you're playing volleyball or softball or baseball. I understand your shoulder is going to go through a lot. Instead of working on your shoulder today, let's just activate the muscles in the shoulder today. And then we'll worry about the the legs and and all that other stuff. And and we'll, we'll limit your rate. We'll limit your weight. We'll limit your reps. We'll limit your time under tension. When you have that approach where you're, where you're, where you're telling them what the expectation of the workout is, and then you're saying, but your expectation is here. This is where the workout's going to be at. This is where I want you to be at here or here. I don't need you to be here. I need you to be where you need to be at so that when you go play your other sports or when you go play your other activities, I get you, you get what you want out of it. I get what I want out of it. And me, I just want you to be able to come back next week and feel confident that you just hit a home run or that you threw a no hitter because your shoulder's not killing you. Have that mindset of before anything starts, I give you my expectations. I tell you the steps that we're going to take to get there. And then I find what you need to get to that point or past that point. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way I, I, I approach it and handle it. <clears throat> I like that. I like that. And, you know, one thing that has always fascinated me is how the physical and the cognitive performance is also often dependent on the athletes, athletes, overall mental well-being. Um, as a coach, you're uniquely positioned to influence both. So can you share some stories or experiences where you've seen an athlete's mental resiliency 
directly impact their athletic performance? Yeah, uh, I mean, pressure makes diamonds. Uh, and, and you have to understand that pressure, stress that you put on an athlete is going to do one of two things, if or three things, one of three things. If you put too much pressure on the athlete, athlete's going to crumble underneath it. They're not going to be able to withstand it. If you don't put enough pressure on the athlete, they'll get really, really content and they'll think that they are the best thing in the world. That's that athlete. That's a, that's a big fish in a small pond. You're not putting enough stress on them. They're not seeing the stress in competition. What you want is that perfect amount of stress of that they succeed, but they have to work really, really, really hard to succeed to the point to where they question themselves on whether they can succeed. And then they're trusting you as you saying, you will do this. You will succeed. I believe in you. I trust you. You have to trust yourself. Go do it. And then they complete it and they, and they, and then they achieve it. Uh, one of my what, two years, I've been working with this athlete for two years uh, and he, he knows who he is. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he knows who he is. When he sees this, he'll, he'll for sure see this. Uh, but he had a, a a spinal injury two years ago. So, or two, two, three, three years ago, maybe right before COVID, he had a spinal injury right before COVID. Uh, lucky for him, he had it in, in, in before COVID. He spent that entire COVID year that he wasn't able to compete in physical therapy and doing some, some things to help him get back to where he was supposed to. He was a pole vaulter. So obviously jumping up and then landing from the from 13 feet in the air is not ideal when you have a neck injury or when you have a spine injury. Uh, and so he was one of those athletes, again, that coaches never really believed in, always thought that he was he thought that he was bigger than himself. He thought that he was the man or and he didn't work as hard and watching him work for two years consecutive, two years straight, nonstop, nonstop. From the time track and field season started till the time that he went off to his college of choice, nonstop he worked. Even to this moment, he's doing programs and working out. I just saw a notification that he's doing his workout. Okay. So knowing that you can come back from a from a spine injury to where you had to relearn how to walk to a college, a D1 university, giving you a scholarship or giving you the opportunity to come in and compete at the D1 level. Like, to me, if that person can do that, anybody can do it. You just have to have the right pressure and the right motivation. For him, his parents were completely invested into his, into his career as sports. For him, he made their his parents made sure that he slept at night. They made sure that he had food to that was healthy food to eat. They made sure that all the because they because obviously going through a through a spine injury, you kind of learn some of these things along the way as well. You got to have the right nutrition, otherwise it won't heal properly. But having that 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 community around him is what allowed him to push through all the barriers that he had to push through. And so that's why I say pressure makes diamonds. Just the right amount of pressure can make a diamond shine. If you don't pressure your kids to doing the things that they are they should be capable of doing or they are capable of doing, then they just won't do it. 
if you pressure them too much, you'll break them down and they won't, and they just won't do it. You have to give them that just enough, just enough, just enough. And then when they start to question themselves, hey, look, in, look up at the, look up, get your head up, get your eyes up. Let's go. Come on. I know you can do it. I'm putting that, st I'm, I'm putting my stake in the ground. I'm on, matter of fact, I'm going to go to the other side of the, of the step. I'm going to go up the step because I know that you're going to get here when I get, when you get, when you get done with this, let's go get over that hurdle, get over that, get over that bar. Let's get it. And sure enough, when you let go of the reins and you let them take their own faith, uh, take their own steps, they'll, they'll for sure take it if they have it in them. And if they don't, that's okay. Pat them on their back, talk to them a little bit. Hey, tomorrow's another day. We're going to go that. You're going to come back to this tomorrow and we're going to compete again. And if you always have that mindset, if you always continuously push that, those boundaries, you'll, you will see that the right amount of pressure makes diamonds. So there's a level of, you know, caring and pushing the athlete, which, you know, that can go from uh, an athlete coming from a two parent household and, you know, upper middle class, high class to an athlete, maybe two parents, maybe one parent in the household or maybe no parent really in the household, low income. This method and this approach can work for both kids because just showing that you care consistently caring for an athlete showing support showing encouragement but more importantly showing that they matter mm -hmm. is you know is can be the difference maker in a uh, sports season so i'm glad and i'm encouraged that you know you have that type of approach and are there specific things that you do or specific information that you give to parents or athletes to help nurture that connection between the mind and body? Uh, yeah, I, I have a, I have another uh, philosophy I would call it is everybody's got to do their job. Every coach has to make sure that they're doing their job. Uh, every, you know what I mean? Every, every person that touches that kid uh, or, or comes into that kid's life has to have their job and only their job in mind. Uh, so I'll break it down to you like this. Before I go to parents, I'll break it down to you like this. So I'm a strength and conditioning coach nine, uh, 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 mostly most hours of the day. When I'm working with my athletes, my athletes have about like roughly around like three to four coaches that they work with. The ones who are injured have about four, five to six. Uh, so let's say for instance, the athlete that's injured, doctor, physical therapist, me, sports coach, skills coach. Think about like sports coach as being like the volleyball head volleyball coach or the head softball coach or the head baseball coach. Skills coach, think about the throws coach. Think about the... Uh, the the hitting coach for golfers think about the you know what I mean those coaches those ones that have a specific job the, the think about track and field the sprint coach uh, and then they have the parent okay the doctor's job is to keep the athlete contained after an injury their the job their job is to when the athlete gets injured they give them the right amount of of prescribed medicine needed to recover as fast as possible. 
the physical therapist is designed there to be after the doctor or before the doctor to make sure that that athlete is rehabbing any injury that they might have or any overuse injury that they might get. The strength coach is designed to strengthen that athlete as much as they possibly can within the parameters of the other two of the other two uh, doctors. Okay, these two are doctors. This is not a doctor. I'm there to make sure that that athlete gets as strong as they possibly can within the parameters that I get from these two guys here or girls here. Then we have the sports coach. You're just, your job is designed to give that athlete as much knowledge and information about this play style or the, the, the skill sets that they need to be able to be in your program. Okay. I take what you're doing in your program and try to make sure that the athlete is ready to go for your program. These other two guys here, they're just, they still have that president over the top. This is the this is what you can do with this athlete. If you're not listening to these two guys, you're going to hurt that athlete. If I'm not listening to you, I'm not going to get that athlete ready to go. And, and, and imagine a distance runner, and I'm over here telling the distance guy to go. You got to get strong. You got to get bigger. You got to go ahead and lift as much weight as you possibly can. You got to put that time under tension. We need hypertrophy. We need bulkiness. And then all of a sudden, that athlete turns from a a, a, a four minute mile runner to a seven minute mile runner because they just can't do it anymore. They just can't keep up anymore. I'm not going to keep my job if I keep stepping on your toes. And then you have the skills coach. You have one of the hardest jobs because you're trying to get this athlete stronger, more powerful, to throw faster, all these other skill attributes that a sport could, could take or need. But you got to listen to this guy way over here or these girls way over here who you don't even have a relationship with. We all have to work together. And we all have to understand we all have our own jobs. My job is to listen to these two guys, listen to this guy, and make sure that I don't overdo what I'm supposed to be doing. Parents, your job is most important because the athlete spends more time with you and around you and inside of your dwelling than they spend with any other coach. An athlete spends about 15, 15 hours a week with me. An athlete spends about uh, one to four hours a week with the skills coach. They spend about 15 hours with the throw with the uh, with the uh, uh, the sports coach. They spend probably less than that with these two guys here. When it comes down to the parents and the teachers, they spend about 50 hours a week with you. So with that athlete, <clears throat> if you're not giving them the proper nutrition, if you're not giving them the 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 proper parameters that a parent should so that the athlete can wake up in the morning and do the things that they have to do. Think about having given the athlete a curfew. I don't care how old your kid is. I don't care if you have a 16 year old kid, they should have a curfew if they're, if they want to play sports, if they, they have to wake up and be able to go to the gym. If you're not being that overwatch and saying, Hey, Hey, I know your friends are out having fun. I'll give you until nine 30 tonight, 10 o'clock tops. But you have to be ready for bed because eight hours is eight hours. You got to get your sleep in. If you're not doing those things, you got to make sure that you're getting your viable nutrition in. You got to make sure you're getting your 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 uh, your vegetables. You got to make sure that you're getting your your carbs. You got to make sure that you're getting your protein for healing the muscles. If you're not taking advantage of your role as a parent, 
think diet, think nutrition, uh, think diet, think homework, sleep, uh, and even just making the home a safe place. If you're not protecting your kid in the in your own home or in the neighborhood, your kid will find other ways to do it somewhere else. Whether it be they go to a gang to do it, that means that they're out of the house a lot more often. Whether they go to a different coach or a different somebody else to do it, that means that they're not, they might not be getting the, the proper nutrition anymore. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're leaving the house a lot more often because they don't want to be home. If you're not being there for the kid and giving them the love that they need and they want, and then also the security and care that they need and they want, you're not pre, you're not putting giving creating an environment for that kid to grow and prosper in. So therefore, I can tell you now, the kids who do the best who do the best in the program are the kids who can stick with it the longest. It's not the kid that's the best. It's not the kid with the great genetics. It's the kid who has the parents' genetics and the willpower to do all the things that they need to do as an athlete. And so when you have all of those things compounding together, D1 status off the top. I can I can almost be like, I can almost look at an athlete and be like, okay, you got the height, you got the size, you got the education, you got the parents, you have the will, the will, you're gonna go D1. But without those things in place, you're just knocking them down another notch. You know what I mean? If they don't have the will, they're definitely not gonna make it. If they don't have the parent, the the parent intervention and making sure that they're and the parents not there giving them all the things that they need they're definitely going to have a hard time they still can make it but they're going to have a hard time doing it you know what i mean so there's so many different things and as a parent you just need to make sure you're doing those things for the athlete so that they can so that when they go to their sports coach they're not tired they're not irritable they're fed they don't have to worry about doing their homework when they come home at night because you had them do it before they even came to practice. All of those things compound up into a great athlete. And without doing that, without focusing on that, you're going to turn your kid into somebody that's either going to struggle being a great athlete or they're going to be ex, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Or they're going to be uh, cut out of the program that they desired what that they desire to be in. I'm glad you brought up sleep because they're just, it's so underrated as an athlete or just a, a human being. When we sleep at night, it gives our bodies just the ability to repair itself. But I was reading something the other day as far as cognitive functioning. Mm -hmm. A person who is lacking sleep, they're not performing at peak level, their cognitive functioning. They are, you know, we have a tendency to um, be a little bit more triggered or agitated when we don't sleep. We start looking at things differently. We don't interpret information coming in the same way as if we got the proper amount of sleep. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. So you have this holistic approach, but the main thing you mentioned is making sure that you are taking responsibility of what your role is in this system. Because nowadays athletes have three, four, five, six different people that they may be seeing. And if we are not staying in our lane and making sure that we are fulfilling the duties of why that athlete came to us, then the whole system is affected in some way or another. And so um, I know we're a little bit pressed on time. I want to make sure that we get over to um, 
talking about the good news on on your end, I know a few weeks ago uh, we were talking about uh, the new gym uh, yeah. that you'll be opening where you'll be training athletes in general fitness. So tell us a little bit about that journey. How are things going? And, you know, what's the what's the vision for the business? Yeah. So uh, so the vision is uh, I want to create a space where athletes, adults, even even people dealing with disabilities uh, and disadvantaged folks, I want them to be able to have a space where they can go to not only and I and again, I'm that holistic mindset individual. I don't think that you fix fitness with fitness. I think that you fix fitness with the mindset of fitness. I completely understand that habits rule all. Humans are going to do what humans want to do. Humans choose the path of least resistance. And that's why people gain weight so fast, because there's so much more that you can. It's so much easier to stop by Starbucks and get your coffee than it is to just make it on your own when you're at home. It's so much easier to stop and grab a bite to eat from the restaurant that's between you and your job or between home and your job than it is to make that meal at home. Okay. Sorry, I was talking to my daughter. <laughs> so there's not really like, there's not really much incentive for people to go the extra mile of being fit. And healthy, and so what my job is that I, that, I, that what the, the job that I chose to tackle is trying to fix and and adjust habits to where people can conveniently get what they want and be healthy in the process. And so what that looks like is first the gym. So I so the gym is my strength training gym. I train youth athletes to professional athletes i train adults for who who are dealing with uh and even athletes who are who are dealing with injuries uh upwards to even uh think disability uh i i i've got clients who are disabled i've got i got clients who are just fresh out of surgery uh, i've got clients who are completely healthy and and do like ironmans and all these other stuff uh, I think they're a little bit nuts, but that's okay. But <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, but I work with all these individuals in the in the strength training world. Uh, but ultimately, what I want the vision to be is that when you come to my gym, not only are you next door to a gym, but you're also next door to the physical therapist. You're also next door to uh to a healthy foods location. You're also next door to a restaurant that has healthy foods. You're also next door to uh maybe a sleep apnea place. I, I'm I'm thinking about all the things that you can possibly need when it comes to health. And I want to put it all in one underneath one roof or underneath one parking lot. And if we can do something like that to where as many people, whether whether you want to strength train or not, you can still come to the physical therapist. Whether you want to strength train or not, you can still go eat healthy foods. Not only so, I'm not only trying to reach out to people who just want one aspect of that world, I want the people who are actually looking for all of it to be able to go to one stop because it takes an hour just to get the workout done. And that's that's probably the hardest thing that people deal with is that 
They're only going to choose a gym that's close to home. They're only going to choose a gym that's close to the job. They're only going to go to the gym if it's in between that pathway. If it's not, hey, I got to go 15 minutes the other way. Today is not the day. I just got yelled <laughs> right. at by my boss. I just got, you know what I mean? Like I didn't eat right. I'm going to go. But then if we eliminate all of those excuses and we create a habit loop that is convenient enough and more not only convenient enough but more convenient than starbucks more convenient and i don't mean to throw co corporations names out there but more convenient than than the restaurants that are feeding unhealthy food items more convenient than the sugary places that you can possibly go to that where you're getting all this sugar from and all these unhealthy things creating these unhealthy habits if we can make the physical fitness and, and health habit loop a lot more sturdy and a lot more convenient for people, then we can create a more healthier environment for not only for ourselves, but for our family and not only for our family, but for our neighbors. And then that just trickles down the list, down the, down the, uh, the line to all of the people that we work with. Uh, the best part about my training that I can say is that uh, now I've been doing this for a long time and not all the time has it been my facility. This is now my facility. But most of the time when I'm working with somebody, we're trying to get the entire family in. And a lot of the times we can get the entire family in when you're working with youth athletes and general population adult adults, you can get the whole family in the, into the mix. They'll do it together a lot more often if the, if you give them the opportunity but then if I give them the opportunity to go to a healthy food store, a uh, grocery store, if I also give them the opportunity to see the physical therapist while they're, while they're in the same facility, if I give them the opportunity to go to the restaurant right down this right, right next door that has a healthy food items and has great healthy food items, if I put all of this stuff in one spot, in one place, I really do trust and feel that it will change the way that people treat the location that I put my gym in to not a place that I got to go to or a place that I'm paying to go to, but to a place that I want to go to. I want to go there. My kid wants to go there. There's a skate park in the back of it. You know what I mean? Like mm. just, just things like that. I want to create a, a holistic facility where you can almost do anything. And I need a lot more people to help me do it but I want to be able to create something like that to where you can do almost anything that you want to do activity wise and health wise. And if you're that person, if you're that family, then you're going to enjoy it. If you're not that person and you're not that family, just come and visit us and we'll show you the way. But that's the way, that's what I want out of my, my, my training facility and, and all the other endeavors that I dive into from here on out. I love it. Is There's this holistic approach. And I think a lot of times, you know, when we even in the mental health space, we talk about, you know, you can you can tackle mental health, but then there's also that physical element of things. So what you put in your body has a direct effect on your mental health, yep. how you treat your body, how you exercise has a direct effect effect on your health and mental well-being. And so by you creating this space and opportunity you know, just that holistic approach where it's not, we're putting a bandaid on one piece of the puzzle and hoping the rest of it works because yeah. it doesn't work like that. You have to address all of these things to 
be in a positive space mentally, physically, and spiritually. Uh, when did the doors open to the new gym? So the doors open. So we'll we'll have a a a, a small opening uh, September around September fourth. Uh, it depends on how long it takes me to get all the stuff in and 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 uh, get the paint done. Uh, but somewhere second week of September is where for sure we'll be opening the doors for for clients and and opening all the training open. Uh, but October first is going to or yeah October first I believe or October second is the Monday is going to be our grand opening day. And, and, and again, I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to do it on the Sunday, which is the first is on a Sunday, or if I want to do it on the Monday, the second of the, of the, of the month on the Monday. I'm, I'm leaning more, to, more so towards the, the first, just because it's a Sunday, more people can come around and, and, and come hang out with us. It's not going to be a day that I plan on training a lot, but it's definitely going to be a day that I want to celebrate and have people come in. So that way Monday comes and all of the celebration is out the door and we can get right into work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Monday's going to be that day that I that we go that we open up the doors and we get right to work. Uh but yeah, so October is going to be the grand opening date. Uh September is going to be the little soft opening time frame when I'm just going to be bringing in the people who already been working with me for the for the for the years that they have been and we're just going to keep the keep the, uh, the 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 vibe going from from the facility that I'm in now to the new facility, which is called Mount Olympus Training uh, LLC. So Mount Olympus Training. If you don't know, get involved, mtotraining.com. That's mtotraining.com. Love it, love it. And I'm looking forward to seeing the growth and seeing the impact that you have within your community. Um, and it's always, you know, always good to see us men of color, yeah. you know, having our own businesses and trying to uh, put out good and trying to create a um, a lane to where others that are coming behind us have these opportunities to do the same as well. So I appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in. Um, the final question that I have for you in today's hyper competitive world, young athletes are bombarded with all sorts of pressures and distractions. What advice would you give to a parent or a fellow coach who's trying to create a supportive environment that allows these kids to thrive both as athletes and well-rounded individuals? Fix yourself first. Do some mm. study, do some research on yourself. Figure out who you are as an individual, not who you think you are, but who you actually are. Uh, the Myers-Briggs test is one thing that really that really hit home for me. Uh, if you haven't heard about the Myers-Briggs test, the Myers-Briggs test is basically a series of questions that they ask you. Some of these questions are 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 very uh, uh uh, deep questions. Some of them are very surface level questions, uh, but they ask you different questions about yourself and how you would respond to this situation. How do you respond to that situation? Uh, I took that test and I realized the type of personality type that I am, uh, whether or not I was an introvert or extrovert. Uh, so you might be surprised who you are. You might be an introvert, introvert uh, outside, but you might be an extrovert inside your household. So that just means that you're comfortable with the people who you call friends and family, but you're not comfortable with the people who you don't know. Uh, and so that kind of that type that type of personality type dictates the things that you do outside the house and inside the house. Uh, so the same thing goes for all of the other uh, archetypes that you might read about. The more you read about yourself and learn about yourself, the more you can start to understand how people see you and when you can understand how people see you 
you can dial it back or put into them. When you notice that somebody is is dis, disturbed by your response of, to something, if you really care about that person and you really want to help them out, you dial it back a little bit because you see the disgust, you see the fear, you see the, you know what I mean? You see those things. And I think people who don't see those things never really get a chance and the opportunity to fix that relationship with that person. So imagine a guy that's yelling at his girlfriend and his girlfriend might've been dealing with some, uh, had a, might've been, might've in her past dealt with an abusive boyfriend. Three weeks in the relationship, you might not know this. And all of a sudden you, you, she does something that you don't like and you're barking at her and pointing at her. This, da, 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 da. First of all, that's not the right response that any man should have. But if that's the response that you're having and you notice that's, that's, that you have that, maybe in your past, past, that's how you saw your father dealing with your mother. And it, the cycle just continues. So you you have to be able to see that and notice that when you are doing those things. And when you see that fear, you hope, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I'm just frustrated. And then you start to use your words a lot more because now not only do you see yourself, but you also can articulate the response that you're trying to get across. And so when you can start to read on yourself and learn yourself and dive, deep dive in, learn about everything that you can about yourself. If there's a part of yourself that's dark, read dark books and figure out why you feel that way or you think about that way. Me particularly, I'm not a very sympathetic or empathetic individual. When I see people struggling, a lot my my first initial response is I worked my butt off to be in the shape that I am in for years, decades. For you to say that you can't get off your butt and do X Y and Z, that used to trigger me. I had to read that about myself and learn that about myself and stop myself from feeling that way because not that that way, not that I still don't think about that way being proper, but that person wasn't, didn't live my experiences. That person might have not been put on, put in sports as that very young age. They don't know my background. They don't know, they think it's genetics. It's not. I know for sure it's not because my parents don't look like me. So if you're that personality, if they're even noticing that personality coming out of you, you have to be able to stop and pull yourself back and draw back and change the way that you reach that person. Because if you don't, you'll never reach them. And so my response to anybody that's dealing with anybody that's not them, trying to coach them, trying to, imp trying to improve them, that person, whatever you think that improving looks like, read yourself, know yourself first, so that when you approach that person, you can give them the best you and then they'll start to follow whatever it is that you need them to follow. If you are that person, if you're not that person, get them to somebody who is. I love everything that you just said there. And I'll add on that. And mm -hmm. I have got a little bit of a uh, bias on this one, but taking the time, whether you're a coach, parent, or athlete, finding a good therapist. Now, again, I'm coming from the space of marriage and family therapy, where we deal with folks that have depression, anxiety, addiction, um, come from troubled backgrounds and households. And, and, and the beauty of going to therapy to also learn about yourselves and adding to what you said, Lawrence, reading what kind of books can help you 
dig deeper into who you are as a human being, I think it is a holistic approach because just going to therapy alone isn't going to solve everything. There's also things that you have to do as an individual to do extra work to figure out who you are as a person. So everything that you just said there, I agree with it. And I would also encourage people to think about therapy. And the last piece I'll add to that is therapy doesn't mean that you are, you know, people say, oh, you're crazy because you go to therapy. There's a problem with you. No, you can literally go to therapy just for maintenance of just, hey, you know, this is going on in my life. Just want to talk to somebody about it that, you know, sometimes your friends aren't able to help you talk through that or family or even your partner or spouse. Um, so I'll leave that there. Uh, Lawrence, Coach Lawrence Harden, I thank you for, you know, jumping on here and having this conversation today, because I think it's important for us to continue having conversations about mental health, especially with athletes and, you know, going to uh, giving parents and coaches tools and resources that help them help their athletes. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this and we want to see people succeed, whether you're an athlete or you're just a regular human being. We want to see everybody succeed. We want to see everybody flourish and thrive. And so by doing so, we have to have these conversations and coming together and talking about how can we help an athlete? How can we help an individual? How can we help a family navigate these uh, foggy waters of athletics sometimes? And so again, I thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate the motivation and drive that you're putting into opening up your new gym. And I'm excited to see the growth of everything that you're doing in 2023. So with that being said, where can people find you on social media? And if anybody has questions, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. So if, if anybody has questions, uh, you can definitely reach me out on social media. I'm mostly active on Instagram, uh, which is uh, my personal Instagram that I use a lot more often is posted by underscore law, L-A-W. So the first part of my name posted by underscore law uh, on Instagram. Uh, and my business profile is MTO training, just like the, the website, mtotraining.com. Uh, it's MTO training uh, for my Instagram on my social media. Uh, I, I'm not very active on Facebook. I'll tell you that now. If, you, if I see a Facebook message, I'll probably just look at it in three weeks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Instagram is for sure one thing that I'm mostly active on. Uh, and so if you have any questions, any any thoughts, uh, or you just want to reach out and just kind of like give me a story or tell me a little bit about yourself, I would love to be able to speak with people. I, I love networking with people. and I love working with other coaches in the area. That's probably the biggest thing that I focus on mostly, especially at this level of training is that I want to work with other coaches. I want to work with other parents who are dealing with multiple kids in the in the in the in their in their respective sport or their respective classroom setting. I want to work with people to 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 build a network of professionals who can impact the world. Like I said, I got this entire big plan back here. You see it right here behind me. I got this large plan behind me that I'm just checking the boxes off each thing that I do. I'm just checking the boxes off as I go. So whoever I can meet inside of the boxes of these of these of these uh plans, I want to work with you. I want you to be able to help me out and I want you to be able to help your community out a lot more often as well. So those are the places that you can reach me on. Again, Instagram, uh, posted by underscore law, MTO training, uh, at MTO training, and then 
mtotraining.com is where you can mostly reach me at where I'll be at. Lawrence, I appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the conversation. For those listening on Spotify or Apple, be sure to like and subscribe to Coats in Conversation. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Leave a comment. What was the best part of this episode? Do you have questions? Is there more conversation that you would like to hear centered around mental health, specifically with athletes? Again, I appreciate you tuning in today's episode of Coats in Conversation, and be sure to be on the lookout for more episodes coming in the future.